Just when you think the SNC-Lavalin affair might go away for the Trudeau Liberals, it blows up again. Most recently, a recorded conversation was released by former Justice Minister and Attorney General Jody Wilson-Raybould, who previously testified to the Justice Committee that she felt she was being inappropriately pressured to intervene in a prosecution against the Quebec-based company. That conversation was between Wilson-Raybould and the now former Clerk of the Privy Council, Michael Wernick, and seems to back up her statements that she had raised the concern over this pressure and that she felt there were threats to her cabinet position. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. We take a look at what was said during the conversation, what blowback Wilson-Raybould has received, and whether it moves the dial for Canadians when it comes to this controversy. Whether it's political intrigue in Ottawa, or prairie crime, or cannabis legalization across the country, we're working to give you the most important stories in Canada. That's why you're here. And to make sure that you're not missing an episode, head over to Apple Podcasts and hit subscribe. We're on all the other major streaming platforms, too. Hello. Hello, Michael. It's Jody. Hi. Sorry about the phone tag. That's okay. The PM uh, wants to be able to say um, uh, that he has tried everything he can. Uh, but he wants to, he wants to know why the DPA route, which Parliament provided for, isn't isn't being used. And I think he's going to find a way to get it done, one way or another. So um, he's in that kind of mood, and um, I wanted to be aware of that. Okay. So, because I think he feels the government has to have done everything it can before we lose nine thousand jobs in a signature Canadian firm. Right. So, um, I'm again. I'm I'm confident in where I've, I'm at and my views on SNC and the the DPA haven't changed. This is um, a constitutional principle of prosecutorial independence that Michael, I have to say, including this conversation previous conversations that I've had with the Prime Minister and many other people around it, it's entirely inappropriate and it is political interference. Brian Platt covers federal politics for the National Post. So, Brian, despite the Liberals hoping to change the channel on the SNC-Lavalin-Jody Wilson-Raybould affair, it just doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon. What is keeping this whole mess in the headlines? Well, because... Every day, there seems to be some kind of new development that happens. New evidence trickles out. Somebody else has an additional statement that they want to say. You can chalk this up in some sense to the fact that we never really just had a full, fulsome uh, committee study on this from the beginning. It was sort of dribbled out and shut down early by the liberals. And so instead, you have this scenario where... You know, Jody Wilson-Raybould still has things she wants to say. Jane Philpott mm-hmm. still has things she wants to say. And they keep finding a way to get those out there, even though they were denied a chance to come to committee and testify. Well, Wilson-Raybould got one chance to, but wasn't called back again. So yeah. every time that they find a new way to get a statement out there, then other people want to respond to that statement. And it just it's just a cycle that seems to keep going and going and going. The most recent, or at least the most explosive bit of new information in this whole 
affair was the release of this taped conversation between Jody Wilson-Raybould and Michael Wernick, now former clerk of the Privy Council, as he resigned out of this. And this was a taped conversation from the fall of last year. Just run down for, for people who haven't heard it yet. What is the nature of this tape? When Jody Wilson-Raybould testified about uh, to the Justice Committee and the one time that they invited her to do so, she mentioned a, there was a bunch of different conversations that have been talked about that happened between either her or her chief of staff and various people uh, in government, mostly in the prime minister's office. This is maybe the most important conversation that happened out of all of these conversations. It was the final sort of big discussion that happened on the SNC-Lavalin issue before Jody Wilson-Raybould was removed as Justice Minister in early January. So this was a phone call that took place on January on December 19th between the clerk of the Privy Council, Michael Warnick. He's the top civil servant in the federal government, a very important mm-hmm. and influential position. He has a phone call with Jody Wilson-Raybould in which when she testified about this, she said this was a phone call where she felt veiled threats were being made towards her, that if she did not get in line with what the prime minister wanted on SNC-Lavalin, that it was an unsustainable situation. And she, at least the way that she talked about it, this is where she said there was, she was having thoughts of the Saturday Night Massacre, which is when the independent prosecutor in the Watergate scandal was fired by Richard Nixon. And so she felt that she was, there was a veiled threat that either she'd get in line Mm -hmm. or she was going to be fired. And that was on December 19th, and less than three weeks later, she got removed as justice minister. So what we did not know, and what we found out now, is that she had a recording of that phone call. Which is kind of crazy, right? When you when you think about the idea of surreptitiously recording your conversations with high-ranking civil servants about touchy matters, it, it kind of gives a sense that this individual is already feeling like she's being, I don't know, put in a bad place by these people. At least that was my takeaway from it. Why Why would the justice minister secretly record her conversations with the clerk of the Privy Council? Well, you get the sense that she feels that she had no other option. But what? that's my take on it. What, was, what did you make of the tape when you heard it? So this is all materials, kind of supplemental materials that she submitted to the Justice Committee last week after they the liberals on the committee voted to shut down the justice committee study of this whole affair without inviting her back to testify. So this is how she managed to get a bit more information out there. And she clearly anticipated that people were going to criticize her for having not only taped this phone call without the Privy Council clerk's knowledge, but then released the tape. And she said this was an otherwise inappropriate step but and she's never recorded you know done it at any other time recorded a call like this without the other person's permission you know the context here is that this came after months of discussions where both she and her chief of staff felt that there was inappropriate political pressure being put on them to intervene in a matter that they felt that they should be free from such mm-hmm. political pressure on and it is a constitutional principle in this country that the attorney general is not supposed to be subject to political pressure on criminal prosecution. So they had very good reason for feeling that way. And so after all that buildup, there was a, there was a meeting that happened on December 18th. So the day before between her chief of staff and the prime minister's chief of staff, uh, Katie Telford and his principal secretary, Gerald Butts and Telford and Butts were kind of set up that they were 
going to have either the prime minister or the privy council clerk talk to her, talk to the attorney general mm-hmm. the next day. So Wilson Raybould knew this conversation was coming. And what she said in her submission to the Justice Committee was she felt it was likely to be an inappropriate conversation. Has Michael Wernick responded to the recording or has Gerald Butts responded to the recording, considering these were kind of two of the people she singled out in her previous testimony? So Michael Wernick has just put out a statement through his lawyer that repeats the same line as the prime minister's office is putting out, which is that the prime minister was never informed about the full contents of this phone call, that Wernick did not fully brief him, which I have to say is I don't think very many people find it plausible that the prime minister was not fully briefed, but that's the line that they're both giving. And that's important for the prime ministers, for the prime minister to at least say in public, because what he has said before about this was he's not fully aware. He was never fully aware that Wilson Raybould had these concerns and it was on her to bring this forward if she had them. And the phone call shows are expressing those concerns, but of course she's expressing them to the clerk of the Privy Council, not to the prime minister. So anyway, they're maintaining at least that level of possible deniability in that, yes, she expressed these concerns very strongly to the Privy Council clerk, but not directly to the prime minister. So there's that part of it. The other response that's come from this is that Gerald Butts has said on he said on Sunday that he has tabled some of his own supplementary evidence to committee. And from what I understand, it's text messages between him and Wilson Raybould over the course of the fall on this subject. We'll have to see whether that changes the conversation at all. But there are some other conversations that Mr. Butts feels like if they're out there, they may change people's perception of this. So we're expecting those to come out on Tuesday afternoon. You've seen a lot of lawyers and even armchair lawyers on social media suggesting that uh, she behaved unethically by recording the conversation. How much of that holds weight and takes away from the substance of the conversation? How much of that is just a distraction? There is definitely a phenomenon happening right now where a lot of people who sort of have been hand-waving away issues of the constitutional principle that we should have, that the attorney general has independence from political pressure on criminal cases. People who have been kind of hand-waving away that concern are suddenly scandalized by the idea that Jody Wilson-Raybould may have broken a law society rule against recording conversations. For some people, I think there's very selective outrage Mm -hmm. here. But it's not, it actually is a very tricky ethical issue I mean, the attorney general is such a unique position in government. It's not like other cabinet ministers. She is, in one of her capacities, she is the legal advisor for the government, for the crown. And so she is a lawyer. But again, she's not, in the same way she's not like other cabinet ministers, she's also not like other lawyers. She's in this very unique position. Michael Wernick's own testimony to committee when he testified was that he didn't think solicitor-client privilege covered their conversations because he didn't see how she was his solicitor in those conversations. So, you know, even Michael Wernick, the clerk of the Privy Council, who is an expert in the machinery of government and how government operates and constitutional norms, he didn't feel like she – he told committee he didn't see how she was a solicitor in these conversations. But other people say, well – she's the attorney general. You're always the government's lawyer. Any of these conversations, you are. it is a serious ethical breach to make a recording of them without informing the other side that you're making a recording. So there's that debate. There's the legal debate over the ethics of a lawyer 
which you know law society rules say it is against the rules and so you can be disbarred as a lawyer for doing it if you make a recording of your client or a discussion with another lawyer yep. without their consent. So there's that debate, there's that legal debate, but I think what we've also seen today when we've been talking to liberals around in around Parliament Hill is that a lot of liberals and other cabinet ministers feel that this was just a serious breach of trust within the liberal party and the government and the cabinet for to have a cabinet minister secretly record a conversation with the privy council clerk. So even though the conversation that was recorded and we've all listened to uh, by this point kind of really backs up the testimony that Jody Wilson-Raybould made to the Justice Committee, we still have people who are either supporters of the liberals or even liberal MPs themselves saying, well, she's gone too far here. Could this lead to her being turfed from caucus? She resigned from cabinet, but she's still in caucus, just like uh, Jane Philpott resigned her post as president of the Treasury Board. She has stayed in caucus. We're recording this uh, Monday afternoon, April 1st. Could this have implications on their position within the Liberal Party? So as you say, it's about 4 p.m. on Monday afternoon, and I feel like this may be outdated almost at any minute because there is talk about holding an early caucus meeting. Caucus meetings are normally held on Wednesday mornings, but if you go by what the liberals are saying right now, it seems almost inevitable that Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Philpott as well, who we haven't even talked about yet, but it's, I suspect that both of them are on the verge of being kicked out of the liberal caucus. The liberals are speaking today with a tone that I have not heard them speak with, aside from a few of them. You know, a few of them have always been very frustrated with Jody Wilson-Raybould in this and feel that she's not being a team player. But today, it's really, they're speaking much more with one voice that in that recording the phone call, the act of recording that phone call crossed a line for many liberals. And they are now speaking about her as somebody who just cannot stay in caucus, that she, it was a breach of trust that she, that she committed by doing this and also by releasing the phone call. Mark Garneau, the transportation minister today on his way into question period, didn't want to comment about this at all, except on the phone, on the recording part. And he said, it is not an honorable thing to do to have the government's chief legal advisor secretly record a phone call with the clerk of the Privy Council. And so, you know, Jane Philpott, who resigned from cabinet Kind of in solidarity with Wilson-Raybould, although she, what she said was she just had lost confidence in how the government was handling all of this. Mm -hmm. She gave an interview about two weeks ago to McLean's magazine where she said, there's much more to this story that needs to be told. And a lot of liberals are still very bitter at her over that, giving that interview. They feel that they've got two people who are just making the government, making the liberal party and the liberal government's uh, life impossible. Things could change, but what they've been saying today is it's time for us to kick them out. Uh, either they speak to caucus and show some contrition and a full apology and commit to fully supporting the government, or we're going to kick them out of caucus. That's the message we've been getting today. Do you get a sense there's a disconnect between the liberal bubble or even the Ottawa bubble and people outside of the Capitol? It's really hard to, to get a sense of that yet because... Uh, at least in many of the polls that I've seen, I still have yet to see a really consistent response yet from the Canadian population on who they 
which side they take in all of this. But I do think I have seen I think there was a poll that came out, I can't remember which company yesterday that showed that people are start siding with Jody Wilson Raybould largely. But when he's when he's spoken on this, the prime minister has said that he felt the conversations were appropriate. And I don't think that he thinks that he's done anything wrong. And I don't think his staff feel like they did anything wrong. And you know, I suppose if the whole Liberal caucus had turned against the Prime Minister and his staff, then they would have to back down and really show some contrition over the fact that these conversations took place. But it mm. looks like the Liberals are large it looks like the Liberal caucus is lining up behind the Prime Minister on this. That they feel that it was okay to have these conversations with the Attorney General and that even if Jody Wilson-Raybould had a legitimate concern that these conversations were wrong, they felt it seems based on what they're saying now that she should have handled Jody Wilson-Raybould should have handled this differently. She should have either resigned or she should have somehow made her concerns known. And at the uh, above all, she should not have secretly recorded a conversation with the Privy Council clerk. Jody Wilson-Raybould has said that she felt it was her responsibility to uphold the independence of the Attorney General, and she was doing that and trying to protect the Prime Minister. This is what we heard her say in the recorded phone call. She was trying to protect the Prime Minister from taking an action, which would have been to order you know, deferred prosecution for SNC-Lavalin, that would have shown political interference in a criminal case. She said in that phone call that she was trying to to protect the prime minister from an act of what she believed was political interference in a criminal case. You know, it's interesting. On that phone call, one thing that Michael Wernick said is he felt like the prime minister and the attorney general are, were talking past each other. They were having different conversations. And for Regardless of what side you take in this about who was right and who was wrong, that seems very, very true to me. That even now you have the attorney general who thinks that she was being absolutely put in a – she was – that the conversations that, that the prime minister and the staff were having with her were totally inappropriate, breaking a constitutional principle – that they were totally out of bounds. But then you have, on the other side, the prime minister who felt strongly that he, this was a matter of public interest and public policy, and it was he was just trying to do the right thing. And these issues now have been talked about so much that I just don't know if there's any other piece of evidence that can come out in this that's going to change someone's mind. I guess, you know, we'll see what comes out over the next coming days if uh, the two of the, uh, two of them, Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Philpott, are removed from caucus and how the wheels spin on this a little more. Uh, Brian, thanks for your time. Thanks. Thanks a lot. 10-3 is produced by Carson Jarama. Thanks to my guest, Brian Platt. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. <laughs>